I'm Gab. He's Jules. Mutable skies over West London. Uh, Jules, it's a Champions League midweek. It is. There's a ton of stuff that went on. Six teams have already qualified. We're going to get to that later because I have a few things to say about that. Um, I was hoping not to talk about them because I thought this was going to be pretty straightforward. But yeah, I think been. Manchester United, again, the most event-filled game, the biggest storyline. They leave us no choice. I'm yeah. sorry, Eric. Yeah. Uh, they again. somehow contrive to screw this up, to go down to 10 men. They're last place in the group. Um, that's a really, really rough period. It is. It is tough. And after the Fulham win at the weekend, which was not great, we said that. They won't, but it was not pretty. They just needed something positive, really. And the, f- the first 40 minutes of the game was really positive. They scored two goals, could have been three, four. Hoyland with a brace, back home in Copenhagen, looking sharp. Rashford on the right-hand side, I thought him and Wan-Bissaka combined quite well, like on the first goal. It was okay. They were controlling that first half. And then the red card happens and it changes everything. The red card, let's talk about this because it's it's Rashford. He's He does a thing where, you know, you kind of, you, you sort of clench your butt and it's what you're taught to do. And you almost kind of like defend the ball by by almost like by boxing out, right? Yeah, you like spread shielding, yeah. you spread your legs, you shield the ball like that. As he's as his left boot comes down, it comes down not just on the foot, but it almost like rakes yeah. the uh, just above the angle of the player. Um, some people are incensed by this red card. Yeah, other people. I watched Fabio Capello saying like they all know the rules, they all know what they're doing. I don't think Rashford wanted to hurt him, yeah. but so it has to be a red card. Yeah, and I, I, it was one of the games I was doing the, the analysis, the commentary on in, in the UK. I just, I know it's, it's the right, it's the right call. It's, it's, I think the referee who had to go and see the screen, that VAR called him up. I think this is the right call. However, I still think that it's a little bit harsh because I think Rashford tried to protect the ball. You, you could see he's only looking at the ball. And of course, he's got preferred vision and he can see maybe Yellet coming onto his left-hand side. I'm not sure, but... But, but yeah, it's the right call. Although I think he's a little bit unlucky still. That's the directive. FIFA call it in their, you know, wonderful mangly English. They call it step on foot. And the reason that they, they issued this directive to get uh, people to crack down on it, and it's not just in the Champions League, by the way. I think it's pretty much yeah. in every league. You don't see that happen very often in England no, no. because defenders don't defend that way anymore. Yeah. Right? And Rashford, of course, not a defender. Um, is that it can be really dangerous because if the guy slides in, even though you're just planting your foot down, you don't know that he's there, yeah. you can seriously injure somebody. So intent, it's almost like it falls in the category of doing something dangerous. Yeah, it's a bit like Romero like for Spurs against Chelsea and Enzo, for example. It's similar and it's slightly different because it's a follow through for, oh, for on, Romero. Romero. We'll get to that. We're entirely no, no, different. He knows exactly where, what he's doing. No, no, but in the sense that your studs end and, and, and yeah, yeah. up on the ankle of the opposition yeah. player. Um, Eric Ten Hag, unsurprisingly, not happy uh, at all. Um, and he quite openly blame the referee not just over the red card but over Copenhagen's first two goals yeah because that's the thing Gab you can go down to 10 men and we've seen many teams all the time going down to 10 it's not a reason to lose your shape lose your head and just 
collapse, really, which is what United have done. Especially you're playing Copenhagen now. away. Yeah. It's not like you're if playing you mean like, like Manchester you know, City or right. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, wherever you want, but not Copenhagen, even in the kind of a slightly hostile atmosphere. All those at scary Danes at the park. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's before him complaining about the penalty call, he's wrong. It's a penalty. Maguire, his arm, the, the, the arm is, is wide. Okay, the ball is quite close to him. It's a penalty. The first goal is he's saying there's an offside and there's a uh, Copenhagen player interfering with Onana in his line of vision. It's not the case. So I don't know where that coming from. It's also, they don't use the cone of vision anymore. I don't know yeah. if he needs a, an update from a Maybe. referee, but Dermot Gallagher, I'm sure, is available. He loves sharing information. Like, but that's not the reason why his teams just collapsed completely in the last 10 minutes of that first half and considered those two very cheap goals to concede. Yeah, you mentioned it there, cheap goal. That's, I think, what has to be, what has to be frustrating because I bought into, I have to say, I bought into the Maguire little mini renaissance, right? Sort of, I said like, you know, it's gladiatorial, he's going to sit back, he's going to head every ball away. Instead, he concedes the, the, the stupid penalty and look, yeah, it's nearby and everything. It's still like, Alligator arms. Of course. You're a big man with, with yeah. large arms. You know that the guy's winning, winning the header. Put your arms to your side or behind know. your back. I know, yo, like I feel stupid. It wasn't, this wasn't what I was taught to do. Fine. The game's changed. You can't have your arms That's out like that true. in a crowded penalty area. And I think that was a letdown of experience. Um, because I like storyline endings. Yeah. I did buy into it. When I saw Maguire hitting the crossbar at the end, I'm thinking to myself... Oh, redemption. I mean, but, he fouled the player before, so the goal would not have counted anyway, even if it'd gone in. Yeah, so but... Of all the players that United could have had in that position, <laughs> it falls to him. And it was a good strike, I guess. Um, but I don't know if you come out of this game, Gabby, if you're... I mean, Ten Hag has been in denial of love. You know, it's never his fault, all the excuses and that. But still, if you come out of this game and think like, how, man? Because really, at 11 v 11, they were, the, they were much better. They were controlling everything. Even at 10 against 11 in that second half, they controlled that second half. Copenhagen didn't create anything until the 83rd minute and their, and their third goal. And yet, for the last 10 of the first half and the last 10 of the second half, where you just lose your shape, your composure, your concentration, everything, which I don't know, I don't know how it happens. I don't know why, for a team like this, with big players, how do you lose it all like this? I don't understand. And yeah, you make mistakes individually, which should not happen. Jogo Dalot should man mark someone better than what he did on the Lera girl. There's a lot of things like that, but still as a team, See, they just lost their shape completely. You mentioned Jogo Dalot, and I actually think in United's horrendous season that they've had, and I'm not suggesting that Jogo Dalot's the second coming of Dennis Irwin, but he had a good run of games in terms of performances. If you were to, yeah, not bad. You know, if if you saying like, all right, I want to, I want to chuck fifteen of this Manchester United squad, you know, off the top of Old Trafford. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be it. ditching Diogo Dalla, right? It, I guess. But then, in a big moment, he falls apart, and and, and you know, I think he is responsible. I think he feels terrible right now. Even I, the second goal, to I, be fair. I think the message from Ten Hag has to be, okay, guys, let's build on the positives on, on that first half hour. Let's build on the fact that we got back, or Bruno got us back, frankly, yeah. right? And we can't send the message either that we're a one-man team and it's all about Bruno, although at times it feels that way. Mm. Build upon the positives that, hey, you know, Rashford on the right? Yeah, okay, he's not going to cut inside and score, but... 
he does give you something different. Yeah. I mean, is this something worth revisiting with Rashford? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's not going to play in the Champions League again this year. <laughs> he will have to wait that if they qualify for next year after the red cards. So at least he will have a good run in the league. And on the right, what about Anthony? So this is this is dilemma <laughs> because Rashford is better than Garnacho on the left hand side, right? Yes. There's no there's no even even on the post season like the one now, you still would pick Rashford first before Garnacho. Okay? Yes. But then Rashford is better than Anthony on the right-hand side. And I don't think Garnacho can play really on the right. It, it, would, not, it, it would be a disservice to him. So it's, it's what, whether you think what option is the least bad, I guess. So almost sacrificing Rashford's best position because Anthony is so bad on the right, so you put Rashford there and Garnacho on the left. Or you say, no, no, Rashford on the left, this is, his, this is, this is this, his prime position. He has to play there, which means that on the right, then, well, it's Anthony or... I think you also have to look at the fact that you don't want Anthony to go the way of Jaden Sancho. What I mean by that is you don't want to lose the player. Um, I know he's not been good, and obviously his his price tag was way too high, and yeah. it wasn't. But there's a player in there somewhere, yeah. And you've committed to him longer term. You won't be able to shift him. Um, Ajax aren't going to buy him back to play in the. In the second, nobody's going to buy him now. So, I, I do wonder. Like, do you have to? Like, part of me feels like I have to persevere with Anthony. You know, Garnacho's time can come. I can use him as an impact substitute. Raising the flag three months into the second year of his contract, when you know he's had off the pitch issues and stuff like that, to me seems like you can't screw up two gigantic wingers. So you can't in consecutive years, can you? Between him yeah, and Sancho, that's true. That's true. I, I, I'm just thinking. I mean, there's a real politic to this, is what I'm saying. If he costs twenty million, fine. But you it felt to me that okay, maybe you add Varane instead of Evans. I don't know why Evans started the game. And right now, with all the injuries and everything, it looked like this: the starting eleven that we saw on Wednesday night against Copenhagen is the is the starting eleven. He's, he's Ten Hag's best team now. But but Mason Mount. But that's what that then no, but that's interesting, Gary, because then we go, it's really the Scott McTominay Ericsson partnership really that for the is that is that what Ten Hag can come up with the best in midfield? No. It's not what about, it's Mount, what about Amrabat? What about Casemiro when fit? Look, yeah, but Casemiro is not fit. So take take the players who right. you can play now. I would not have started McTominay and Ericsson. And I know the first half hour they did well. But it worked. It worked, it, but could it work over 90 minutes? Um, I don't think Ericsson can really run a game for 90 minutes at all. I mean, he can't run full stop anymore, but, but boss a game and run a game, I'm not even sure he can. And Scott Matamini is definitely not, cannot anymore. He was good on the first goal. Okay, it's a, good, it's a good run in the half space. Nice, he does those well. Great assist, no problem. But over 90 minutes, I, I mean, for me, Amrabat should start. He should play, should start. And why, would you, why did you buy Mason Mount then? Why did you make like five different offers? You insisted he's, to sign him and now you don't use him. He's coming back from injury and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think that's... No, he's uh, been back for a while now. It's hard to integrate Mason Mount. I think, I think in his view, Mason Mount was going to do the Ericsson job, right? And his view is going to be Casemiro Mount and then Bruno in front. The, 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 this was his vision, right? But do Amrabat, Mount and Bruno then? And give it a go. I just think Mason Mount deserves a, he deserves a chance now, because clearly a lot of things are not working right now. If it was a, a team cruising with great momentum, you didn't want to disrupt anything, 
I understand, and I think that's why he also kept the Evans Maguire partnership. Although Varane has been fit for four games yeah, now. I want to ask about this. I want to ask about this because, frankly, he, if you get an older player like Johnny Evans, I'm sure he's fit and everything and whatever, and you like his experience, and you keep. If he plays as many games in a row, he's either going to have a stinker, and he's had a couple of bad games yeah. already, by yeah. the way, or he's going to get injured, which, hey, look, that's what he's, he's injured. Yeah. I mean, it's freaking Evans and Maguire. Yeah. And you have Varane. Was Varane fit? Has Varane been fit these last couple yeah. of games? So he's making a deliberate decision. Yeah. It's not because Varane is made of glass, as nope. I like to say, and everything, right? No. Nope. He's choosing. Yeah. Can you explain this? The only reason, Gav, I can see, No, I think it's stability, maybe. In the sense that, okay, now we can't, have, we can't keep changing and changing and changing again. I think for the team in general as a whole, but also those kind of partnerships together. So two in midfield, let's say Ericsson McTominay, the two centre-backs together. Even sometimes you're right back right, and you're right winger, you're left back and you're left winger. And this but, is... But, sorry, but even but, that reason, Gab, I find it like really far-fetched in a way that you keep Varane and don't get me started on, you know, is Johnny Evans better than Rafa? No. So I don't, I don't really know why. But also, Lindelof's not going to be injured forever, right? No. So presumably you have a hierarchy, right? And at the beginning of the season, yeah. in your view, your hierarchy was Varane, Lisandro, yeah. and then Lindelof, and Maguire was the guy you never wanted to see again, and Evans was the guy you signed, you found, you know, you the signed off the street, right? Yeah. Uh, this was your hierarchy. What message does it send I if agree. two and a half months in, all of a sudden, you know, Numbers four and five. Like Maguire was even number four. Maguire wasn't on the yeah, list yeah. at all. He was on the transfer right? list. That's what it was. I, I don't understand that part. Um, I want to say something, and I'm not picking on Garnacho. I love watching Garnacho play. I love his intensity and everything. Maybe I'm too old school about this. Or maybe it's because, <laughs> you know, when I was younger, I spent a lot of money um, buying tickets to go watch football. I hate it. I really, really hate it when players shush the crowd. It really bugs me. It really, really bugs me. I, I saw Nico Jackson do it. That was even more absurd. That was after, yeah. after you score <laughs> you score a hat-trick against nine men in the 94th minute on the break, whatever, right? But I love it. And then, by the way, I, people say it's a human emotion, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. There's a lot of players who don't do that, right? I, I don't remember Lionel Messi shushing the crowd too many times. Cristiano, and it's still it's still messy. Chris, it's messy anyway. That's so fine. You know, he can yeah, do it. He's allowed to. You yeah. know, Cristiano does the calma calma thing, right? But that's that's him. That's more. He doesn't go and engage with the crowd, right? With the opposing. And these two guys, Cristiano and Messi, because they're so good, they get a ton of abuse as well. Yeah, like they yeah, are targeted yeah, sure. by the yeah, opposing yeah. fans kick, kick. far more than people don't know who Nico Jackson and Alejandro Garnacho are yeah. relative to those guys, yeah, yeah. right? I don't. I don't. I don't think Holland does that. He gets targeted yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Mbappe, maybe a little more. Day, he did right. it the other day, and you were not happy. But do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Listen, I, I just leave it. Those people are paying your salary. Yeah. Right. Have a little bit of respect. It looks a bit petty, to be fair. It, it really. I, I really hope they outgrow this. And, um, and also do it if you're sure to win the game, because otherwise life goes fast at you. And then Garnacho went from shushing to like being shushed himself, <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's, that's not a good look. It's never, it's never a good look. And All right, let's talk young strikers. Rooney Bargy getting the winner for oh, Copenhagen. I love him. 
So as far as I knew, he was just a name, right? He was uh, a promise. He's a promising seventeen-year-old. Of course, a lot of people rate highly. Right, more promising than the other Hoylands at the club. I don't know, but I always find it hard with these teams. When I say it's with the greatest respect for the Danish league, right? They get a lot of hype early and stuff. They're playing in a dominant team domestically. They're usually technically gifted. But he comes on and scores a winner. He's going to remember this. Oh, I would remember forever. 17 years old. Rooney's first name, of course, R-O-O-N-Y, like the English Rooney. Uh, the English Rooney has an extra E in there. But, e, still. but clearly... Clearly he was Rooney. a name for Wayne Rooney unless his parents he can't was. spell. He was. He just didn't choose to put the E, but he's definitely, he said it himself. No, he said in an interview that he was named after Wayne Rooney. This is like, remember Mycon? No, really. Remember Mycon was supposedly named for Michael Douglas, but <laughs> I, I don't... <laughs> Rooney Bargy was named after Wayne Rooney, even if his parents didn't spell the name exactly the same as Wayne Rooney. It was that like that. Why not go the whole way and call him know. Rooney? Rooney at least is a real name, right? Yeah, I mean, but you can style it. Like the actress, Rooney Mar. But I like his left foot. He was very positive when he came on. He took on players. He scored a really lovely goal, to be fair to him, because I think he really means the bounce and everything, the way he hits that volley or that half volley, if you want. It's good. He's only 17. You know, there's obviously a very long time to go. All right. Um, but Jogo Dalot should still be tighter, should be closer. And this is really something I don't understand. I know you said he was, he'd been good this season. You would keep him at the club if you were the sporting director at United. You cannot forget your man that you're marking a key time in a game like this at this level. I'm sorry. This is a basic mistake. And the second one is still too far. He's where you are. I'm Rooney here. There's nobody else around. It's not like if he ha- if he frees, he has to cover for Maguire. He has to. Do- he just needs to be tighter to wherever the ball could come to a- an opposition player closer to him. And instead, he's ball watching again. Let's try to give United fans some positives to look forward to. Right? Yeah. Rasmus Hoyland, five goals in three games. In That's the good. League. One young. against Bayern, two against Galatasaray, and two last night on Wednesday That's nights. Good. They were good finishes. He's developing. He's, He's good, developing on a bad team, right? But tell me why he doesn't score in the Premier League then. How? I mean, surely. There are not I, many players. Usually it's the other way around. You score in the league, but then because the Champions League is harder, then you struggle and you show maybe your limit. For him, it's the other way around. Maybe he has more space precisely because maybe they get more counter-attacking in the Champions League. So there's more space for him to maybe. operate. I, I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But I think that that is a very valid question. Um, Onana up and down sharp. again, but... I also think, I, I I think there's a really good keeper in there, and I think if United get to where they want, it's going to be because Onana contributes. Am I am I wrong yeah. here? No, 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 no. You're right. Bruno, we've mentioned Bruno. We've He's mentioned. the whole effing show, to quote RVD. Yeah. Um, Onana, by the way, should not have tried to control that. I give it give it to you. Bad pass, bad back pass from one Bissaka that leads to the third goal. Just clear it, man. Just send it into the yeah, no, no. bloody he, seat. He's got to, that's why I said, light and dark. Yeah. You have to try to yeah, see yeah. what's in there, I think. Um, finally, ch- chances of getting out of the group. This is this is where they are. They are in last place in the group. With three points. They have three points. Galatasaray and Copenhagen have four points. Yeah. Bayern Munich are out of sight with 12 points. They travel to Istanbul next. Yeah. Um, and they host Copenhagen. Yeah. Sorry, Copenhagen, they, and they uh, they host Bayern, Bayern in the final match. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the fact that Bayern have qualified, if I were Thomas Tuchel, 
I mean, I think previous Bayern managers haven't done this, but I think Tuchel might. I'd be like, okay, Kratzig, Pavlovic, yeah. all you X, all you guys out there, um, you guys are all playing. Thomas Muller, you can play too because yeah. you're old now. Matthias Tell, yeah. you can start. Well, Tell's actually good, but yeah. Yeah, but he will start that. So, and weirdly, so normally what would have said, okay, it's an automatic three points at Old Trafford against his Bayern B team. But I don't feel that way anymore because those guys might actually be more motivated than if Tuchel sends out the A team. Yeah. And also, by then, when that game happens, they might be out. If they lose to Galatasaray in Istanbul in three weeks' time, they are United. They can't qualify anymore because Galatasaray would have four, be four points clear with one game to go. So everybody is talking to me about Bayern, or oh, Bayern will play a B team, a C team. You know, it's great you for United. You need to avoid exactly. the feeling against Gala. Exactly. And Galatasaray have been better than you at Old Trafford. They've been really good against Bayern. Even, even on Wednesday night, they were good against Bayern. It was nearly until the 79th minute. It, they had a goal that was disallowed for a tiny offside from Icardi in the build-up. All of that. It's not going to be easy for United to go away and you just imagine the atmosphere there. Because Galatasaray would also know we win tonight against United, then we are through. We finished second in that group. So before even thinking about Tuchel and what kind of team Bayern can put out our Trafford, let's try to go and do a job, you know, in, in, in Istanbul. They have to, do you think a draw, like ultimately this comes down to, right? People ask questions like, would a draw be enough against Galatasaray? Obviously they would stay alive till match day six, but they wouldn't control their own destiny. At that exactly. Point. And Gala would play Copenhagen in the last game. And Gala played Copenhagen yeah. in the last game. Although this could it's be a Copenhagen tricky. game that's emboldened yeah, yeah. by the beat. So... No, no, for sure. It's very exciting. But if you're United, you, I think you don't have to be too pessimistic. You can still qualify, of course. We're not saying that you're, you've got no chance. But that Gala game away is wow. All right, enough United. How many times have we said that? No. Uh, time for some quick hits instead. Let's go, Gab. I hate to start it on low note, oh, Jules. But Paris Saint-Germain traveled to San Siro and lost 2-1. How about that Rafael Leao goal, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, the Rafael Leao show really was, although Olivier Giroud took a big part in the show as well, in the magic and show. Ruben, and Ruben! Ruben, who out. swarmed on any MF in a blue uniform. Outstanding. Call him the RLC. Yeah. He beat up Zaire Emery. Okay, I'm going to stop yeah, that. Yeah, you're going to stop that. Amazing from Loftus-Cheek, really. Uh, to the point that you do wonder really why Chelsea let him go when he's that kind of form because he gets injured all the time exactly he's not enough in that kind of form but still he was outstanding uh, really disturbing everything that I think PSG had worked on and prepared for this game although PSG took the lead and Milan Skriniar going back to Milan with a goal well Luftuschik by the way forgot talking about man marking earlier with Jogo Dalot forgot him completely and then after that Leao was really too much to handle for Hakimi for PSG who were not Good enough. I, th I don't think there was much really. Milan deserved to win and they were a better team. But PSG had some chances. Dembele was a, a problem, I think, as well on, on his side. But there was not enough from Colomani, not enough from Mbappé, and certainly not enough from the PSG midfield overall. From Warren to Vitinha and Ugarte especially, who was very poor, I thought. Well done, Milan. That really bring them back. To Are they a little complacent, Paris Saint-Germain here? I don't know if... Maybe because of the first leg or... I don't know if complacency is... The, I don't know, maybe you take the lead after nine minutes and you think, okay, we're going to control this. Okay, there was well, just I'm, not enough control yeah. at all. And that was not good enough. No, and it was good for Milan, obviously, they're coming off their, their negative run of results. Although, 
I thought the only game where they were really terrible was the Udinese defeat. The other ones... In Paris, they were not great either. No, no. And against in yeah. Paris, no. But, but Paris Saint-Germain at home are going to be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always going to be favored over Milan. Yeah, right yeah. Now. So, um, so I, I love this. I love how tight this group is. Yeah, it's going to be great. And sticking with this game, Gabi, Gigio Donnarumma got a very heated reception from his former fans at San Siro. I think we both understand why, but is this ever going to end? I don't think so. Uh, I, I, look, I think this matters to people. You know, I talked talk before about having respect for fans. I'm not saying he disrespected them. He has every right. It was a certain circumstance. He ran his contract down. The difficulty is as long as football clubs sell us narratives about yeah. homegrown youngsters who make their first de de debuts at 16 at the captain's armband, I think average fan is never going to understand like, oh, look, you know, you're not happy with 12 million a year, you want 15 million a yeah. year. When you've grown up here, you're the captain, we sing your name and everything. Um, I, that's a difficult thing. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and I just think you have to accept that, right? And I think he accepts it. I did feel a little so. Is he getting, he's getting also a little bald spot on the back yeah. of his head. Yeah, he is. But he's still really young. That's got to be rough. I know, but... I feel, I feel a little bit for him. He can man. always have like a little air transplant, you know, a lot of... Well, them like Wayne Rooney did? Well, like a lot of them. We, we can start naming. I okay, mean, Antonio Conte still is the godfather of hair transplant. <laughs> now, so this group, as we mentioned, is wide open since Borussia Dortmund beat Newcastle 2-0. And we even had a Kareem Adeyemi sighting. We had. It was, it was decent. Although, I mean, I think Julian Brandt really was the outstanding player. In that game, uh, Dortmund really bouncing back well from that heavy defeat against Bayern in the league the weekend before. Very disappointing first half for Newcastle, for sure, starting with Eddie Howe's team selection. Really? You put Almiron and Gordon on the bench? I didn't understand. Like so this? I assume they're not fit. Because I, it was funny because the, the watching English speech is like, oh, heavily depleted Newcastle. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, no Botman, that's huge. No Tonali, better get yeah. used to it. No, no Isak, I think that's important. But so I assume they were, they had they had knocks or something. I don't think so. I think that was just his his call, and they came on at halftime, obviously. And the second half was much better. If Joel Linton scored a huge chance that he should yeah. really score on the on the Livramento cross, then he goes to one one, and maybe the rest is different. But I think Dortmund were good, and they have that momentum. And now, as you said, everybody can qualify. It's literally four, five, six, and seven points for those yeah. those four teams. So it's. Anyone's guess, really, who's going to come through? Milan against Dortmund at San Siro, end of the month. I will be there. Yeah, and PSG against Newcastle at home at the Paris de Prince. Could be a game that I see them qualifying as well. Real Sociedad scored three times and missed a penalty in the first half hour of their 3-1 win over Benfica. Gav, you wrote that they're one of the two standout teams in the competition so far. Do you want to guess who I picked as the other standout team? Uh, not Manchester United. <laughs> it's Manchester City, obviously. No, when I ask myself, who has been consistently good, right? So good. Uh, when they played, when they played Inter, they were really on. I mean, Inter really got away with it. Yeah. Uh, in that one, otherwise they've been flawless. We've talked about this before. I wonder if teams in La Liga maybe have figured them out a little bit more, and that's why they're seventh. Although again, you know, they put Barcelona to the sword and yeah, lost on the weekend. Uh, they're so much fun to watch. Bryce Mendes. Oyarzaba, Takakubo, Barenechea coming on, oh, scoring that goal. goal. As you mentioned, I think, what was it, like 15 kids uh, from, from the academy? Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous.
We ain't done. There's more quick hits. Yes. Barcelona fall to Shakhtar Donetsk. 1-0. Jules, you want to despair about their run? Or do you want to praise Shakhtar? Or both? Uh, both. Both, probably. I mean, first of all, your friend, Andre Christensen, with... I mean, that defending. I know we talked a lot about players making mistakes so far on the show. But Christensen, not marking Sikan on Danilo Sikan on the cross, is just mind-blowing, I think, at that level. And it's a great header, and it's a great goal, but Barca should have defended I, a better. I think something happened. I think he must something must have distracted or something. I don't know, because it's really Christensen bad. malfunction, I don't know. I but. don't know, but it's bad. But to be fair, Shakhtar deserved completely their win. It was a poor performance from, from Barcelona, who only had one shot on target in the whole game, and that came quite late. They woke up a bit once Pedri and Joe Felix had come on, but for a long, long time, this was a very, very poor performance. It, it felt to me... Worrying. They, okay, maybe Pedri's not ready to start, whatever. But the Joe Felix, I don't know if maybe he needed a rest, but I, I, it surprised me that he didn't start. Yeah, no, me too. I was really surprised by Xavi's team selection, to be fair, and I think... And then Marcos Alonso and Chris. Yeah, it, it feels a little bit careful. like, oh, look, let's rotate against these mopes, you know. And Because they won against La Sociedad, we said, but not playing well no. at all. And then they didn't play well again for the second game in a row and lost this time, which they deserved. So. And they're up against high-flying Porto next. Yes, Careful. That's right. Cuidado. Yeah. Manchester City have qualified, as expected, of course. Beating Young Boys 3-0. Gab, what happened to Erling Haaland's goal drought, though? Oh, yeah. When we all pretended like the Champions League is a whole different thing. Look, he hasn't scored in the Champions League since whatever. Like The people who are going to criticize for him, they're also going to point out that all four of his goals in the Champions League have come against, uh, young, against boys. young Boys, right? And I know. But... Two of those were penalties. I thought he looked lively. I thought he looked sharp. I thought he could have scored more. I thought he looked good. Even when he was missing all those chances, because he yeah. was getting in those chances. I'm Team Guardiola in this one. By the way, some great moments of skill in this game. The 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 Foden control that was that that's that pretty ridiculous. And then the acceleration. As Don't well. try this at home. Where please. do you stand on the camera asking for Haaland shirt at halftime and doing it so? Ob Just wait at least. This is wrong to do at halftime, but if you want to do it. Do it in the tunnel. Do it when nobody's watching. It's a terrible look. I if I if I was one of his teammates, um, I would go. I'd pin him. I, I would do a Roy Keane on Juan Sebastian Verón to him. <laughs> Put it that way. Real Madrid are also through beating Braga three 0 No Bellingham, no problem when you have no. a little magic man, Brian Diaz. Oh, Brian Diaz, who got a first goal that was chalked off, and and rightly so for Vinny foul. Initially in the move, then he scored one, set up by Vinicius. That was great. Braga played well. They're good. They, they're really nice little team to watch. Didn't I tell you before we made our predictions? I said Braga are a good side. Yeah, they played well. They're just a bit naive and and you know a bit limited in terms of talent anyway. So, but Rodrigo was lovely, and his second goal, the third one, is a wonderful piece of skill. The one to Vinicius. So win. win. I, I want more space for Brian Diaz on this team. I'm not saying you should play in place of Bellingham obviously he was unavailable for this game but you got to get him on the pitch yeah, more he was you have to he was Napoli could have also qualified from that group Gab but they achieved what has been impossible of late they failed to be Union Berlin whose losing streak ends at 12 games in a row in all competition 12 defeats in a row and it's all because of a very un-Italian goal to concede yeah so Napoli really should have won this game you yeah. can see that they, they created most of the chances they could have scored more but they, they committed the cardinal sin. This is a cardinal sin anywhere in football. But it is that much worse in Italy. Yeah. Because you have a corner kick 
and you give you're up the one, ball and you're on one nil up. If you're and, chasing the game, okay. Oh yeah, and you're in the lead. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's not like you're chasing in the 93rd minute, and you concede off a counterattack on it's that, where everybody falls asleep. Yeah, um, that would dampen the enthusiasm. People are yeah. now questioning about kind of the curse of the Maradona because they scored a lot. There's no curse of the Maradona. You should just be thankful and wipe your mouth when you when you mention <laughs> the man's name. Um, this is just stupid, but it's fine. They had a performance. They're on their way yeah. there. It would have been better if they'd wrapped it up, but whatever. Yeah, they were still going to qualify. No Odegaard, no Gabriel Jesus, no Eddie Nketiah. Oh, who would have said that? I would ever say that. Uh, but Arsenal have more than enough oomph to beat Sevilla 2 0, Jules. I, this is, what about my man Georgie, huh? Oh, what a pass. The pass, yeah? For Bukayo This Saka. is why he's there. Enough of this. Oh, oh, he can't defend. He can't defend. This is what I said often. Sometimes the second assist, so the assist before, the pass before the assist, is better, <laughs> more important than the assist itself. It's kind of like eight players. It's crazy. Really good. Sevilla would. Terrible, I thought. Again, they had one shot, only one shot, and that was in the 94th minute. Arsenal controlled the whole game from start to finish. Could have scored more goals, should have scored more goals, maybe. Weird but, team selection, too, from Sevilla. Like, you know, no yeah. Rakitic, no Luka Bakio, no fullbacks. I know, yeah. really strange, really strange. Yeah, this was back on Monday, but we can't ignore, of course, Chelsea's 4-1 win against the nine men of Tottenham. Yeah, so basically everything happened in this game. So we, we can't go on, go, go through it all. I think this was a game where more people, players could have been sent off. Maybe more players yeah. should have been uh, sent off. I can understand why it didn't happen. Two were eventually sent off. Um, Romero, I, I've said it. I, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's He wants to lay some hurt on his national teammate, Enzo Fernandez, even though they're playing Brazil, the next international yeah. break. He had to go, should have gone. I, he's the yaks of, oh, you're crazy to send me off. No, no, you got the ball, but you knew exactly what yeah. you're doing. Destiny Jogi could have could have gone could have gone earlier. Should this have is seems about on the ridge. But the big talking point for me, and I think we might disagree on this, is down to nine men. What does Ange do? He says, I'm going to act insane. I'm going to play this crazy high line, keep my guys on the halfway mark, and I'm going to dare Chelsea to try to score. And it should be really easy, right? Don't tell me you like this. Because if Don't it's 9 versus really 11, like right? That means somebody's always open. That means you can't have pressure on the ball. Somebody always is always open, so there's no pressure on the ball. So it's just a question of dinking it over the top and foot raise. It still took Chelsea 20-odd minutes to score. Because they're not a good team. That's, that's the only reason but why. I think that's what he wanted, he wanted to do. He wanted to mess with their heads. Even at 10 men. The high line at 10 men costs you Udogi's red card. If you don't play the high line with 10 men at the start of that second half, Udogi doesn't get sent off. He's getting sent off and he gets that second yellow we because he's chasing. We could have been sent chasing. off sooner. No, yeah, but right, he was okay. not. So he was still in the game. And at 10 men, your crazy idea about the high line costs you a second red card because Udogi has to chase the ball, chase back, chase Sterling, chase... Just, I, I love Ange, and he's doing an amazing job, and I really want him to continue doing this. This was not a good idea. This was suicidal. At 10 men, and even more at 9 men. Liverpool went down to 9 men. Aspers, on that same ground, did you think Klopp, who by, who let, let's who's be honest here, yeah. in terms of high lines, Klopp, I think, knows more than Ange Postecoglou, right? So there's a reason why even Klopp doesn't do it. Come on. And I know I know Ange wanted to be brave and he I, said, even with five men, I would do it. No, you wouldn't. And by the way, five men, you don't play anymore. But I just didn't like it. As a neutral, I love the fact that he decided to break from the dung heap of gutless conformity and throw okay. a curveball at Chelsea. Say, this, we're going to lose this game anyway because nine against 11, we cannot win. Okay, and, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, they're... 
they could have got a draw at 9v11. 100%. Because this you Chelsea, really think Chelsea, this Chelsea are that team bad. are that bad that instead of playing the high line, you play narrow, you play deep, a low block, you've got Eric Dyer clearing every single ball, every single cross. Because that all Chelsea would have done would cross the ball. For who? I think For Sterling? For Nico no, Jackson? I, I, I think the thinking there was he had no central defenders yet. Eric Dyer. Well, yeah, it's Eric Dyer. But Dyer else, would have right? cleared every he single ball. Both the central, Eric Dyer, who hasn't played in, who hasn't started a game, I think, this season. It doesn't matter. All right. It doesn't matter. Right. I thought he got it wrong there. I'm sorry. Now, all of a sudden, Eric Dyer is Dan Byrne, is he? Uh, no, it's not that. But it's easy to defend that way than to defend the high line, 100%. Byron good to go as well as they beat Galatasaray 2-1, but Jamal Musiala picks up an injury. Yeah, it looks bad. It looks like a muscular injury as well, Gabby. So more space for Tommy Muller? Exactly, I guess. Let's show some respect to Inter, Gab. Late Lautaro Martinez penalty gives them a one-year win in Salzburg. Well, that means they've also qualified oh, yeah, after four games, which is which is pretty remarkable. Like Sociedad, yeah. well, he, look, he makes things up. He rotates. He rotates the stuffing out of this team. He uses substitutions. Uh, you know, no, no Barella. No, he played this guy Bissock at the back, who I don't think had started a game yet. No. Um, and it works for him. Marcus Turan, by the way, tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous in this game. He's not the most fluid player. He's not <laughs> Even the, the most technically runs, yeah. gifted player, right? I, I think the, I think he got the athletic genes, but not the talent gene. Although, to be fair, Marcus Turan was, you know, wasn't no great. wasn't exactly Beckenbauer either. But um, such work rate and Lautaro Ballon d'Or. Atletico Madrid beat up Celtic, whoever man sent off. Yeah. It's 6-0. But Jules, I'm betting you just want to celebrate and enjoy some of the pretty goals from this game. Wow, I don't know which one. Who's your favorite? Samuel Lino, no? Samuel Lino is very special coming in sound to his right foot and curling mm -hmm. it. I love the Griezmann. I knew the Griezmann was kick, coming. Of course. But even the Morata second game, second goal, sorry, when he controls with his right foot, shifted onto his left, and then kind of half volley it under the bar. Pretty special. I mean, it's easier against, against 10 men and the Celtic team that is always trying to play, uh, which maybe they should have stopped doing at 1-0 or 2-0 even. The Maida red card, I don't know where you stand. I think it's a red because he goes and the studs first. Some people like Brandon Rogers didn't think he should have been a red. It's a bit like... Yeah, the, he studs first. Is, exactly. It's dangerous, is, you know. He's a red. I, mean, I think it's so. Not it's another green campaign for Celtic in Europe, though. It's not good. It's yeah, not, good. Uh, not the easiest group either. No, for sure, for sure. Giro Immobile scores his first goal from open play since the opening day of the season and he sends Lazio to a 1-0 win over Feyenoord. Gabby, was a very Ansari-esque performance. Yes, it was. I think they had like 32%, 35% possession at home. Um, this was more like... Do you remember when Sadi was at Chelsea and he tried to play? He played Sari ball in the first yeah. half of the season, and then they said, uh -uh, like, <laughs> "You're going to go and you know win the Europa League," and so he decided to play shut down the, the rest of the way and counterattack. It was a lot like this. Yeah, um, it was like this. Feyenoord, I thought, played really well. Really un unlucky not to get something out of it. Maybe even a win out of it. I thought they created the better chances. Yeah. Santi Jimenez. Santi Jimenez is a player and a half. He's a player, isn't he? Um, Lats, I think, been a bit fortunate in this group, thinking of the late goal against uh, Atletico Madrid as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, they're they're right up there, and they're in a very solid position to go through. Leipzig are yet another team who have qualified after their two-one win away to Red Star Belgrade. Uh, Jules, I bet you're even more excited to welcome back Xavi <laughs> Simons to Paris Saint Germain after that goal. After that goal, next season, who gets dropped? I don't know. I oh mean, yeah, no wait. Can he play a bit deeper? 
No, that's fine. Mbappe's leaving. You got it. Uh, but we will sign Rafael Leo instead, so that's fine. <laughs> um, great goal again from Xavi. Really, really nice. It was good for Leipzig for a long period of time. And I know we say it all the time, but let's not forget that when you lose Soboslai and Gvardiol and Nkunku and Lima, and you still can perform like they've done in the league and in the Champions League this season, it's pretty good. So well done to them. And Gab, with Leipzig, there are six teams that have already qualified for the knockout round after just four games, so with two games to go, which is pretty impressive. I bet you have strong views, though, on this, and I would like to share them with us. I do. Um, six teams have already qualified. Another eight can qualify um, in match day five. Like they're, they're not all going to do it, but no. even if just half of them do... That means match day six kind of becomes like a dud, except for a couple games. A couple was going to be tight. I was skeptical about the Swiss model. I know all the reasons around about it, but I kind of feel like I'm ready for a change. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm glad. I'm ready to go and see this. If we can prove meaningful incentives for teams to go hard until the end, yeah, I think that improves the spectacle for for everybody. I'm not saying it's an age-old problem in the Champions League because, look, in the end, there's not going to be that many big clubs that go out. You know, you I, don't, you don't I, think so, every yeah. year, right? Um, and it's fun, it's entertaining. But I want match day five, match day six to be entertaining across the board. Me too. Um, you know, not just likely in Paris Saint Germain's group or or, or, or possibly United's group or yeah. whatever. Porto beat Antwerp 2-0, which means they join Barca at the top of Group H. Um, they play each other, of course, next match day. Yeah. Joseph, I gave you this question because I know, I know, oh, I know your thing with Dutch coaches. Another so Dutch guy. Mark van Bommel's your victim now, right? Yeah, he's officially the worst ever manager in the Champions League, Gabby. That's 13 games now he's been in charge in the Champions League for PSV, Wolfsburg and Antwerp. And guess how many has he won? Zero. Well, Zero out of couldn't 13. couldn't have won any this year because they, well, it wouldn't be, he's won, they haven't scored any goals. And, yeah, but no, they, they scored goals. That guy at the end. They keep. They keep. I mean, not in this. In this game, they didn't take the lead, but they they took the lead against Shakhtar. They took the lead against uh, Porto in the reverse fixture. But no, it's just not happening for him. So I know they won the title with him for the first time in 60 years last season. But in the Champions League, it's another Dutch guy for me. Gab, however, shall we celebrate that legendary aging Portuguese superstar over the age of 40? who is still setting records in the Champions League. And I don't mean the Asian Champions League, and he would not be over 40, that one. Yeah, you kind of ruined it. If you had I know, to go sorry. over 40, sorry, you know, I was setting it up. Everybody's saying Cristiano. Look, you know what? This is great because Cristiano can come back and play in the Champions League after he turns 40, after Imagine. Pepe finally retires. Look, it's not that far away. What, like three years' time, yeah. right? Yeah. He can come back, maybe, maybe join Brentford or something in the Champions League, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's going to be motivated to come back. Antwerp with Marvon Bommer. Exactly. Um, it's it's Pepe's whole story is tremendous. I know a lot of people coming over from Brazil have a young age. If, if you haven't looked into this, it's just, people have written a bunch of feature stories about this. How like he was kind of dumped at the airport with like twenty euros and like a SIM card yeah. and said, "Okay, go figure this out for yourself." And then he goes on to have the career he has. I know. And he's he's the classic case, by the way, of the guy who starts out. And he's kind of an unknown, and so you cheer him on. Then he goes and he plays for Real Madrid, and he becomes sort of this arch yeah, super villain, like Sergio Ramos before Sergio Ramos. Yeah. And now that he's old, everybody loves him again. Oh, no. uh, and he was well, great in that game. Outside even of the goal, he was amazing. So 40 scores, Giroud's 37, he scores. 
it just shows you, I think that if, you know, for some guys, I think have already the body for it and the mind, I think, you know, naturally, not everybody can still play at 40, even if they really are super professional and super this and super that. So I think you need, you need the genes to be good for you to old, to, to get old in a nice way. But then if you put the effort in, like Giroud, like, like Pep, like, like others too, you can have that really, really Wait. evergreen kind of longevity and stuff. Could Dante beat his record next yeah, year? Yeah, Dante. If, he, if knees qualify for the Champions Imagine. League, right? Oh my God, I would love that. Hilton, our friend Vittorino Hilton. Yeah, I, but, but Dante still plays, that's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vittorino yeah, Hilton. Yeah, 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 finally. I mean, Hilton <laughs> had to go at some point. But yeah. Another one of your old favorites, Jules, hey. Luke de Jong. Scores the only goal that pays for the Eindhoven and beat Lons 1-0. This one, this group is going to the wire, Jules. But look, you're between these two teams. Listen, I know you're going to be tempted to make fun of Luke de Jong. No. And, you're, cause, and it's your buddy, Joseph, and what, whatever. <laughs> but this was a tremendous headed goal. Header. This was a captain's performance. It was a great header from Bad de Jong. As people who would have been listening Wait. to the show for a long time, they know he's Bad de Jong. That was a good header. Wait, from if Bad he's de Bad de Jong, what seemed de Jong? Because Frankie de Jong is good de Jong. Yeah. What about CM de Jong? Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's another level. Can he just be average de Jong and then? He could, I guess. But it's too late. I feel it's too late. I've committed too much to the bad de Jong. Great header. Great cross by Bakayoko. Really good game, I thought. And Lance hit the post late to make it 1-1. It's not helping when you keep falling behind. They were behind against Sevilla, against Arsenal, against PSV every time. They came back in those first three games. Not, not last night, not on Wednesday night. It's a shame. But... Five points for both of those teams. It feels that Sevilla are a bit behind. So to go with Arsenal, who are almost qualified, it will be one of them too. And it will be very exciting next two games, I think. By the way, in case you're wondering, Nigel de Jong, of course, is badass de Jong. Yeah, yeah, badass de Jong, for sure. That's for sure. The Premier League are going to vote, Gabby, to ban loans from teams who have the same owner. That would mean, for example, that Manchester City could not take players on loan from Girona or... More significantly, probably, that Newcastle could not take, let's say, Karim Benzema, Cristiano Ronaldo, or Ruben Neves yes. on loan from one of the PIF teams in Saudi Arabia. And there are four PIF teams, of course, yeah. uh, in, uh, in Saudi. This is an interesting one because, you know, so many teams love this whole multi-club ownership thing. Yeah. In fact, I was shocked. There are 11, 11 of the 20 teams in the Premier League own another club either fully or or partially in another European 11? league. Wow. There's 11. I mean, I, I, I was really surprised it was that high. And obviously, and there's teams in the championship that yeah, do yeah. as well. Um, and by the way, that's not counting Manchester United because Jim Ratcliffe hasn't taken over share, but obviously they would own Nice yeah. uh, at, at that stage. Um, so the fact that they're considering this when a majority of clubs, it would presumably hurt them or curtail them, suggests to me that they're really concerned about Newcastle yeah. taking advantage of this. Clearly. Maybe excessively concerned because I kind of feel that, you know, if you're MBS or whoever runs PIF, you're saying, no, guys, we're paying you a lot of money to be here in Saudi yeah. to push the sport in Saudi Arabia, yeah, yeah. not to go and help Newcastle qualify idea, for sure. the Europa League. Yeah, right? yeah. But um, I think the deal kind of makes sense. But if it makes sense... Yeah, I'm in two minds about this. I, what's the point of multi-club ownership if you can't do this, right? What's the point? Yeah. If, if Chelsea decide to take David Fofana back from from Union Berlin, what they're not? I guess they don't own. Yeah, him yeah, yeah. it's not the same. But let's but say he plays for Strasbourg. Somebody, yeah. Um, but yeah, they want to they want to stop this. If they want to stop it, 
I, I, I think it's something you should seriously look at. Yeah. Real Madrid keep getting those contracts done. Eduardo Camavinga is now locked up until 2029. Jules, is his long-term future in midfield or at left-back? It's a good question, Gabi. I thought he was, again, very good last night on Wednesday night in, in midfield. I think he can do... He's so amazing. He can do anywhere. The release clause, which means nothing, as you keep telling us, is still a billion. It must be weird to have a, like a billion release clause. It's, it's not real. Well, no, I know it's not real, but still, still. Um, I, I mean, it's fell on Mendy, hoping that. So we've had Valverde, Rodrigo, Vinicius, Camavinga, Chuameni, and I think that's all for now. It's fell on saying, "What about me? Am I next? <laughs> me? No, I don't think. I don't think it'd be you, fellow. But by the way, Chuameni, Camavinga, Bellingham, and Valverde. If you want to include him too, or if you consider him as a winger for the future. Yeah. I mean, knowing that this is set next ten years. Yeah. I'm sorted, Vini. And Rodrigo, Rodrigo as well, at least Andrick part of the strike force. on his way. Andrik on his way. Now you just got to, you know, find some young'uns at the back and you're good. Yeah, exactly. Finnish billionaire Tomas Iliakos has reportedly raised $2.5 billion to buy Inter Milan. And he says that signing Kylian Mbappé will be more than just a dream. I'm sure it would, Thomas. I'm sure it would. Gab, are you very excited? You know, it would be more than just a dream. He's implying it's a realistic possibility. Yeah, okay. Yes, I, I, I think Ziliakos... Does he know that there's two teams in Milan and unfortunately for him, Inter is not the one that Kylian Mbappe prefers? Kylian Mbappe prefers Real Madrid to Paris Saint-Germain because he was a fan of the Cristiano Ronaldo nah, culture. He's still a he's still off fan the too. But whatever. But I think I, I have fascinated by it. For those who don't remember, this is the man who... When, when the Glazers put Arsenal up for sale and United. engaged the rain, sorry, United, and engaged the rain group and said, okay, this is the process, interested bidders, write in, blah, blah, blah. He's the guy who says, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to issue a press release telling everybody that I'm making an offer for Manchester United. I, I don't look, this guy's obviously, I presume he's a wealthy man. I don't know if he should keep calling himself a billionaire. Um, I don't know if he is or not. Uh, what would you call him a billionaire if he was not a billionaire? Because it's 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 all it's all nonsense on paper. By the way, right. this is this is a whole digression I'm sensing. A lot of these so-called billionaires, a lot of them aren't liquid oh, at all. Because, yeah, it's the shares right? that they own and things like that. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, see um, I mean, if you look at it that way, uh, Elon Musk shares on Twitter, given given what's happened there, like they've wiped like twenty billion <laughs> off his net worth. You know. <laughs> but this guy. Way too freaking public. When you talk too much, yes. It's when you talk too much, right? We know that now. We know that in business. Yeah. Look, look. It's one of two things. Either you come out, you talk too much, and then all the fans say, "Yes, Iliakos, we've been dreaming of you. Get rid of the Jangs," or and then then you can kind of power play your way into it. Yeah. Otherwise, also this fact that he's he's raising two and a half billion suggests to me. It's he, not his. He doesn't have two and a half billion. Yeah. He's going knocking on no, doors. No, but that's okay. We've seen consortium before buying football clubs. Yeah, I, I think he's raised two and a half billion cents, frankly, because in the current <laughs> climate, if he can raise two and a half billion dollars <laughs> to buy a loss-making football club, uh, then he's a genius because right now there's no money out there. Yeah. Nobody can do this. And this Mbappe thing, come on, man. Yeah. What, what, what you what? said, he, you know. What? You said it's, it must be realistic if you said it. It's got to be realistic in the Mbappe Turam Lautaro partnership oh, next season. I, I'm on board with imagine. that. I'm on board with that with with, with Thomas Ziliakis. Sorry, Thomas. I don't mean to make fun of you, but so the way you've been portrayed in the media, are. you come across like a bit of a shyster. Sorry, <laughs> that's how you come across. If you are not, find me, call us. 
Come on to our oh. show. Tell us why this is realistic. This is going to happen. How did you quote him? What did you just say? A shyster, like a, like a snake oil guy, like like a guy who talks a lot and then never executes. I, I don't know. I'm not saying he's a con man. Uh, shysters, but but I'm just saying like you know he comes out of nowhere and then boom and then kind of disappears again. And, and maybe mm -hmm. while we're at it, you can also tell us why you didn't email those nice people at the Rain Group when you pretended like you were going to buy Man United. Yeah. Andrea has been called up to the Brazil national team for their upcoming games against Colombia and Argentina. Jules, he's now 17. He has started yeah. all of 15 league matches for Palmeiras. Too much too soon? I don't think so. Well, you know where I stand on this. I think he's great. He might not play at all. But the experience of being there around all those superstars, the great players, it's great for him. It costs you nothing if you're Fernando Diniz to bring him with you into camp for 10 days. He's on great form. We saw the two goals he scored against Botafogo that were outstanding. He's clearly very, very talented. So maybe, yeah, maybe it's a little bit early. But, I, but you take that. And by the way, that call-up will cost Real Madrid 1.250,000, so 1,250,000 euros because in the contract that when they signed him for what, 45 million it was, um, there was a clause that said on his first call-up, they would have to pay uh, Palmeiras that 1.2 million uh, euros. So maybe come a little bit earlier than what they thought. Yeah, I, I would hope that they've budgeted for it. But I totally agree with you. And in fact, I like this. Uh, a bunch of national team coaches do this. Like when they put the senior team together. Mancini did that. Remember yeah, he says like, he, he'll bring in like some, sometimes it's 16, 17-year-olds just to make up the numbers, yeah. to train with the first team. You know, if they're not needed for their U18 or I guess U20 in Hendrick's case, Completely. I agree. King Charles gave a speech to Parliament, which paves the way for something called the Football Governance Bill, Gab. This would set up an, an independent regulator for football in England. How, what's this about? So I know this is going to sound really, really boring when I mention Parliament and King Charles in the same sentence, but um, this could have a big impact in England because essentially... This was proposed a few years ago. It seems to have support from from both the party and government right now, yeah. the Conservative Party and the opposition, the, the Labour Party. And the idea is basically what they're saying is, like, football, the sport, is a public good. So, yes, it's privately held, privately owned, privately run. The Premier League is its own entity and so on. But it is a public utility. It is a public good. It's a little bit like your electricity company, there's a whole bunch of, and this isn't just in England, this is in many countries, I think in yeah. the US as well, right? Uh, you have an electricity company, uh, you have a bunch of them, they all compete and you choose one or the other, but there is a regulator that says, okay, electricity company, you have to provide, you have to meet these standards of safety, you mm. have to provide this um, this level of service, you can't go and overcharge people. Yeah. Again, most places in the world are like this. So they're I, don't, I think this is pretty much unprecedented that they're treating the football industry in this way. I think they're going to have oversight in terms or they're going to have some level of oversight when it happens in terms of um, new owners coming in and piling on debt onto a club, for example, putting a club's uh, sustainability at risk by being reckless. Um, maybe something as well with own, the owners and directors test, which right now is yeah. the purview of the uh, Premier League and the Football League. Premier League 
are saying, we welcome this and we await the details. No, they don't welcome it because nobody likes to have somebody looking over their shoulder. Yeah. I think, though, it's probably a good thing. Um, and I wonder if other countries are going to move forward with this. Daily Mail reporting that Chelsea are blaming co-sporting director Paul Wynn Stanley for failing to give Emma Hayes a contract extension, which is why what? she decided to move to the U.S. women's job. Yeah, supposedly, I, this is obviously somebody who does not like Paul Wynn Stanley at the, at the club, saying like, all right, so they told like, hey, Paul, go sort out Emma's contract. So what, did Paul say, I don't want to give her a new one? Or no, he, he said he, he negotiated. Not, he could not agree with her. They didn't agree, and, and slow rolled, and so she decided, all right, I'm off to the U.S., um, does this seem plausible to you? Uh, of course it is. Negotiations in contract like this, especially when you're, when Emma Hayes is in a very strong position because she's one of the best club manager in women's football, uh, probably even in men's football and women's football <laughs> together too. So she would be in a very strong position to say, to say, okay, I'm happy to stay, but this is my term, these are my conditions. I would be very surprised, and unless it's a money, it's a money thing, but I would not think that Emma Hayes' current wages or potential wages in a new contract will, mean, will make that much difference for a club like Chelsea when you, when you see how the men are paid. But if you let her go, if she wanted to stay really and you wanted her to stay and you could not find an agreement and that's why she left and you now find yourself without the best coach that you've ever had, certainly in your women's side and one of the best in the world, I find that mind-blowing. So I haven't spoken to Emma about this, so I don't know. But viewed from the outside, this story doesn't pass the smell test because I would find it really difficult to accept that, you know, after 10, 11 years, however long she's been at the yeah, club, even more than that, that she yeah. says, oh, look, they're not giving me a raise or whatever, whatever I want, so I'm going to look for a new job. Hey, look, here's the U.S. women's national team. I just don't buy that. That's not her, all. you mean? Yeah. No, I, I think I think she said, I think they didn't negotiate. She, she listened to them. I don't think it's plausible that she asked for the moon. I think Chelsea made an offer, but I think ultimately she said, look, time for a new experience. She's 47 years old. Oh, so Here's it's nobody's chance. fault then. She wanted to leave. She didn't want to stay. I mean, she can speak for herself, but I find it more plausible that she was ready to move on. Yeah. Having done this for so long, you know. I haven't seen the Women's World Cup grow, especially in the U.S. You take over a talented team. I mean, the, that's how I see it. I mean, what yeah, else can, man, me too. She's would, achieved I everything she can at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I'm not blaming Paul Wayne Stanley here. Unless, of course, Paul, I'll make the same offer made to you to your know, buddy Thomas Liliakis. <laughs> if you want to come on the Gab and Jewel show you and should, say, Paul. Paul, it's entirely my fault. Or it says, like, hi, I'm Paul. And it's entirely my fault that Emma's gone. But yeah, I don't believe this. Yeah, I see what you mean. Fiorentina have been hit by a partial stadium ban for discriminatory abuse directed at Weston McKinney, Moise Kane, and Dusan Vlaovic in their 1-0 defeat to Juve on Sunday night. Yeah, so obviously this covers both racist abuse towards McKinney and Moise Kane, who obviously are people of color, and Dusan uh, Vlaovic, who is Slavic and gets called uh, a gypsy. Um... The interesting thing to me here is that the part of the stadium that's being shut down is a part of the stadium where the ultras weren't there because they were boycotting the game because oh, they yeah, didn't think the, the game should go ahead and they everything. were busy with the flood cleanup. So other people sat in that stand. Um, I was unaware of it on the night. It didn't get much attention the next day. Obviously, it did happen. Yeah. Obviously, these players heard it. Obviously, the the observers from the Italian FA did their job in reporting that, and I can only applaud that. Um, I do wonder about 
shutting this shutting it down and then suspending it basically it means that if it happens again and they will tack this yeah. on top but it's good that they're taking taking it seriously i feel a little bit Definitely. for the fiorentina ultras who are out doing community service <laughs> and they come back and <laughs> they're they doing good things and yeah, yeah. You know, they weren't even there <laughs> Nuno Espirito Santo has been sacked as coach oh, of uh, El Etihad after they lost to Al Kua Al Jawa. Who, okay, pardon my complete ignorance about Iraqi football. I'm assuming this is one team with two names. Yeah, I, I, I think okay. so. Uh, they lost to them 2 0 in the Asian Champions League. Now, according to reports in the Saudi daily, Al Riyadia, who I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest could be from Riyadh, um, he also clashed, Nuno also clashed badly with your boy. Kareem Benzema, the artist formerly known as Kareem the Dream. Kareem the Dream, he's still the dream. Um, I think to put it nicely, they didn't really, uh, they didn't really see eye to eye. But why? I, Nuno's such a wonderful man. Such a wonderful, full of energy, full of uh, smiles and and love and passion and all of that. I don't think Kareem was the only one not to get on with Nuno. Uh, there's obviously a few things that have been mentioned, like Nuno called him lazy. Which really, I mean, I know Karim is not perfect by far, but if there's a, there's a striker who plays for the team, it's really him. Yeah. So I'm not sure where the laziness... Yeah, Benzema reportedly replied, look, don't single me out. Talk to the entire team. We're a team. We win or lose together. Yeah. Um, which, which didn't help. I also wonder, and I think this is an issue for Nuno, is because of his perception because of who his agent is, there is a sense, I think, among a growing number of players that he gets these fancy jobs because he's looked after by Uncle George. Yeah. And somebody like Kareem Benzema, a hard scrabble background, he's not going to respect that. Definitely not. And he's just not going to accept uh, the incompetence, I think, and the lack of ability. Because that's, you know, Nuno is not really a top, top coach, right? We agree on that. No. So this was always coming, I think. And I don't think we know who's replacing him just yet. So it'd be interesting to see. The Premier League would like VAR's permanently assigned to refereeing teams to improve consistency. Is this a good idea? Did I even ask that question right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically... So what does they, that mean? The same VAR team for the same... So the same referee, so that, you know, they develop chemistry and get along better, blah, blah, blah. This is reported. I'm sure the Premier League would like that. The problem for the PGMOL is if you're going to do this, is a, as you know, they alternate VARs and, and, and referees, the pitch, yeah, right? Yeah. Sometimes you refer in the pitch, sometimes you become a VAR. Um, this would basically mean that the guy on the pitch is always on the pitch and the VAR is always a VAR. I, I, and they don't, want, they don't want that, no? They don't want a specialized VR guy who only does VAR. They're not ready for that. Okay. I think down the road, and look, this isn't just in England, this is everywhere. I think down the road, what they should be doing, and I think it's what both UEFA and FIFA would like to see, is we take the guy who's like a referee in the third tier or whatever, yeah. and we say, dude, you don't have the personality to be to, to, to become, you'll never become a top flight referee, but you see things really, really well. Like your game management is terrible, but you see things really well or, or whatever. So let's train you to be a VAR in the top flight because it's a different skill set. Yeah. That's what I would like to see, to create a whole generation of specialist VARs who are trained, and then maybe you can look at pairing them, pairing them up with the same referees. Yeah. Um, that might make sense. But right now, I think that's kind of the least of the work, problems. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think we're ready for that yet. 
Oh, you like this one? Yes. Sevilla director of football, Victor Orta, who was previously at Leeds, has suggested a summer joint Premier League <laughs> Liga tournament with the champions facing each other, the second place team facing each other, and so on, right down to number 20. Yeah. And he says maybe they could do this in the U.S., and he even goes so far, saying maybe it's three points for a win, two points for uh, two points for a win on penalty, one point for a defeat on penalties, zero. But he, he's actually thought about it, which is weird because I thought <laughs> you work for Sevilla, right? You don't work for La Liga. You don't and, Javier Tebas. No. But, and when you see how bad Sevilla have been and how his recruitment has stunk, yeah, maybe you should spend less time planning tournaments. Yeah. Maybe. Would this be cool though, as a fan? Yeah, I like it. Of course. Maybe not in the summer in the U.S. Yeah. Because then you have the C teams. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think. I think the idea would be good. Because it's been, we've talked about this for many years, like, you know, okay, you can see the top teams because they face each other in the Champions League very often. But, you know, the team that finished 10th in Liga in the Premier League. Would win between Almeria and Burnley? Exactly. I need to know. Yeah, no, but because also when we keep saying like, oh, whose leagues is, what leagues is the best, what this and that, you don't really see what league is the best from the top four. No. But more where that level is kind of in mid-table, second half of the table and how those teams are. So, yeah, but like you said, Gabby, in the summer when they're in pre-season, you would not get to see the, the strongest team in those games, which then would make that no. point. You know what you do if you were to do this? and You probably shouldn't do this. And, I don't and think this will never happen. We just tell I don't you now, think... it's never going to happen. But you could do this during the season. So... Well, I went... Every Wednesday with one game, right? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's not that hard. Teams have, even the top teams have Wednesdays off during the season, right? So every Wednesday, you schedule a game like this, right? During the Champions League. So Champions League is happening on the Wednesday and, and those as well. Sure, why not? I mean, it's, why not play Almeria against Burnley on a Wednesday? You could do it. Let me just if think, you, who would watch that when on the same time you've got Real Madrid, PSG, Bayern, Man City? The, the PSG fans wouldn't watch it. The Almeria and the Burnley fans wouldn't watch it. But you know what? Match day five and match day six, let's say, okay, it won't be the case this time, but let's say City and Arsenal have already qualified. If you are a fan of an English club that's not playing that night, you're not really fussed about watching City or Arsenal. Hey, look, yeah, let me root you Like, maybe. there are ways. I'll tell you, though, this would never happen yeah. for the reason that certain prize fights in boxing never used to happen. And that is, like, I think we both agree the Premier League top to bottom is probably better than La Liga, right? Yeah, I think so. But in a one-off game, anything can happen. Yeah. Can you imagine, with all the Premier League fanboys out there, Richard Masters' head and whatever and his hair... No, if they do this, and then and at the end of the win. year, yeah. yeah, it's like 11 to 9 to that's La Liga, also right? It, it would never happen. This is why it'll never happen. Yeah, as well. Because the Premier League have everything to lose on this. Yeah. And nothing be. to gain from it. And, uh, and I think also, money, I guess, and, yeah, and equally, Javier Tebas, what if it's like 18 to 2? Yeah, what happens if you go out, you sell your rights, like, you know, La Liga, unlike anything else, we're just as good as the Premier League, or almost, right? And then they're like, wait, but they wipe the floor with you. And the only win is Amraya against Burnley. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's true. The Turkish Super Cup is due to be played in Saudi Arabia on December 30th of this year, 2023. But both Galatasaray and Fenerbahce, who are in that Super Cup final, won it moved, Gab. Why? So Galatasaray and Fenerbahce, by the way, uh, obviously that is one of the bitterest rivalries yeah. in all of sports. Uh, they never agree on anything, and but they agree on this. It's the 100th anniversary of Turkish independence, Kemal Ataturk and everything. Yeah. 
And they're saying this should be played on on Turkish soil. Maybe even at the I stadium agree. that's named for Kamal Ataturk. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Um, I think there's... Obviously, you can be cynical and say there's always more to it. And, like, you know, um, they don't like the idea. You know, they, they play other Super Cups. Obviously, they played the Italian Super Cup there. Yeah. The Spanish Super Cup. Are, the, are Not the French Super Cup yet, but I'm sure the idea has been floated, right? Um, there's also a sense, I think, maybe a little bit of resentment as well towards kind of selling off this other asset. Yeah. Because with the greatest respect to Turkey and there might be some political things going on there as well. You know, this isn't like, oh, La Liga needs to sell itself, so let's go play to the Saudi audience. You know, it's still, I've got the Saudi Pro League. Am yeah. I suddenly going to, you know, get excited about Samsung Spore um, against Besiktas if I'm there and I've got Benzema on my doorstep, right? So all these things put together suggest to me there's more going on. I think it should be about the fans and the clubs. I agree. And I don't know how much money they're getting, but... I hope that they rethink this. Yeah. Not historically have a great youth academy. They do, Gav. So I guess maybe the crowd that they got for a recent game isn't that surprising, Jules, or is it? No, but still, because we are used to those, um, you know, youth league, like, so the Champions League for the under-19s, right. being played in a small stadium, usually. That's where they are, where the, the, the reserve teams play. But this time they decided, you know what? Not as in the main team, the, 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 the top, the first team are not playing in Europe this season. They were last season, but not in Europe this season. And there was clearly a lot of appetite from their own fans for the youth league and this not under 19 very talented team. So they said, let's try. Wait, are they playing in the... La Bourgeois Stadium. So the main, the, 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 the first say, But what competition is this? The youth league. The, the Champions League youth yeah, league. Yeah, because they, they are the right. French champions. So sometimes you've got teams right. that, even if the main, the, the first team is not qualifying in Champions League, are still playing it. And they got 12,000 fans. That is tremendous. So then beating Helsinki on Wednesday, which I think is really remarkable. Great work from them. They have a really good team. For a long time, the academy, as you said, was one of the best, if not the best in France. Then he went through a bad patch a bit, like the club overall anyway. But he's coming back. And with that kind of support, imagine being an 18-year-old and playing in front of 12,000 people yes yeah, it's, it's remarkable Tremendous. so you know well done to them even for the idea and then for all those fans turning up it was great it's a Rome derby this weekend Gab and with such level headed characters as Jose Mourinho and Mauricio Sarri it's not surprising really that the build up has been really calm respectful I, 100% you so know, Sarri who I think at this stage is just obsessed with fixture lists and calendars because <laughs> yeah. it's all that he talks about. He comes out and he says, oh, it's going to be tougher for us because uh, we got to pay Feyenoord and they're really good and we're playing in the Champions League whereas Roma have the equivalent of a friendly match against Slavia Prague. Now, first of all, Maurizio, um, you're playing at home on Wednesday. Tuesday. You have a whole 24 hours... Even Tuesday, Tuesday, no? It was even Tuesday, no? The That's right. Tuesday. So you've yeah, so you got 40 more hours to prepare this game yeah. than Roma do. And you're playing at home. Yeah, fine order, good, but you're playing at home. Okay, so enough <laughs> with this complaining about your fixture list. But then, you know what? Uh, Mourinho doesn't need me to defend him because he can defend himself. And Mourinho, of course, replies by saying... Said, you know, it's ridiculous. He's disrespecting Slavia Prague because all of a sudden Mourinho really cares about Slavia Prague. <laughs> and he says, and I quote, I always respect my opponents. 
It's a difference between someone who has won 26 titles and someone who has won only a few. Yeah, I wonder which of the two has won 26 <laughs> titles and which one's won yeah, only a few. Yeah, and only a few. Is it just two, no? Or maybe I, I don't know, one. but like, yes, Mourinho, you have won much more than Maurizio Sarri. That is not what makes you right. I love the fact that you never stop reminding us of how much he's won. You know, um, <laughs> maybe Maurizio Sarri has managed Porto and Chelsea under Abramovich and whatever else, which for longer than he did because he yeah. did it too. Look, I, I say this in a context where Mourinho is 100% right. Like, Saturday might do well to STFU on this one and stop banging on about the calendar, the fixture the conspiracy. What, you think UEFA, like, purposely set it up so they play Slavia Prague? And by the way, Slavia Prague are a professional football yeah, team. Yeah, they're playing, Roma playing in the, you know why, by the way, you know why Roma playing in the Europa League this, this season? Yeah, because they were worse or, than Lazio last season. Or is it even the Conference League? I don't even remember. No, do you, yeah. So, it's because they're worse than Lazio last season, exactly. right? Exactly. So, stop complaining about them. <laughs> Uh, Saturday, honestly, it's really, really difficult. That Davi's going to be so good. Between the things these two guys you say. You can't yeah. miss it. I, I'm so psyched for this game. Fernando Santos, who coached Portugal at the World Cup, says Cristiano still hasn't talked to him after uh, Santos decided to drop him during the World Cup. Does this surprise you, Jules? I mean, you know, players, especially I think of certain caliber and a certain ego, don't forgive easily at all. So... I think the pain of having been benched in the World Cup and the way the World Cup ended overall, I think for Cristiano, which was always going to be his last one as well, uh, would have hurt him, I'm sure. But is that enough to like, ruin or stop a relationship that's been going on for many years between him and Santos? They like they were really, really... They had a special bond. They won the Euros together, Obviously, as you all yeah. know, with Cristiano acting as Fernando Santos' assistant when uh, after getting injured in the final. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it's know. A bit petty, no? Yeah, I do also wonder, like, Cristiano's not your ordinary footballer. Like, once Fernando Santos is out of his life, is he being petty or is he just saying, like, I live in Saudi Arabia now. Yeah. What what am I gonna talk to him about? Yeah, they don't, like, they don't FaceTime every day, but I don't know, like I, I, I don't know. Fernando Santos doesn't also doesn't seem like the most fun guy in the world. <laughs> um, so I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Talking about fun guys, Phil Neville has been appointed <laughs> coach of the Portland Timbers. But Gab, not everyone is happy with that choice, and it's not just because he obviously was not very good at Inter Miami. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's one of the fan groups has asked the club to reconsider its decision, and they did. Everybody painted it that it's because of some things that Phil Neville tweeted back in 2011 about women's football um, that were considered to be sexist and highly disrespectful to women. Yeah. Um, they also said it's also because of the job he did at Inter Miami, which yeah, people forget that enough. part of it, yeah. right? Uh, look, I think I believe in second chances. Phil Neville tweeted what he did in 2011 when he was younger and less wise. He faced all the same scrutiny in 2018 when he was appointed coach of That's the true. England women's team. Yeah. When he said those tweets were wrong then, they're wrong now. He's apologized. I don't know what they want Phil Neville to do at this point, right? I, I build a time machine and never tweet that again. I, I think once you recognize your mistake, once you go and you work in the women's game, you're showing that you do not have this massive sexist preclusion. Now, that said, this is also a club... Because obviously it's, you know, Portland Timbers, Portland Thorns, yeah. Merritt Paulson, the the the, the creepy sporting director's Scandal, name I forget, yeah. who was who left. This is also a club where has a history yeah, of, got past. of abuse 
towards women, so I could see themselves yeah, wanting yeah, to, yeah. to distance it. But to lump Phil Neville in with that, I think Phil Neville's done everything he can. I don't know what more you want from him. Yeah. So I, I do have a little bit of sympathy for him. All right, Joe, that brings us to an end, but we got to come back on Monday. Yes. Because there's a big, big weekend of football coming up. The Rome Derby, uh, Chelsea and City. Yes. How about that? On Sunday. Uh, until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.